This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. I don't want to disrupt the class. I wouldn't want someone to disrupt my class. He asks for comments. I don't even ask for comments. But anyway, what can I say? I just listen, and sometimes he gives an opportunity, and then I can contribute something. Again, the Lord is going to the synagogues, and his followers, his soon-to-be apostles, are taking note of that. They're watching that. They're watching the master's example. And later on in Acts 13.5, Acts 13.5, it's no wonder, it says, when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. Now, we see another important word in verse 35, which is, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing, and here's the important word, every sickness and every disease among the people. So that word every is very important because when it says and emphasizes here, the Lord healed every sickness and every disease, it highlights for us that all the sicknesses that the Lord healed were not all the same sickness. And all the diseases that the Lord healed were not all the same disease. There were many different sicknesses. There were many different diseases as there are today. And when we look at how the Lord dealt with or healed all those different diseases and sicknesses, there was something different every time. For example, for leprosy, he touches. He touches the leper, that's what he does. For the blind man, the blind man in another place, he spits on the ground, makes clay out of the spit and the dirt, and he puts that on his eye sockets, a paste. To another blind man, he touches his eyes. To a dead Lazarus, he calls him to come forward. To another dead 12-year-old daughter, he takes her by the hand and lifts her up as he says, come forward. For a person who can't speak, he casts out a devil. Well, everything's different. And it teaches us that in each situation, the Lord tailored his actions to that particular need. I mean, what kind of a doctor would it be who, who every time you go to the doctor, he, he just writes a prescription for penicillin. Here, take this. You know, like my big fat Greek wedding, he sprays index, what is this, Windex on everything, you know. Anyway, 
So that would be a very bad doctor. Why? Because he's not taking into account the particular disease, the particular sickness that the patient might have. What's a good doctor? A good doctor is one who first listens to the patient. Couldn't believe it. How many times I was in the hospital and they come in and they, the doctors come in with all of that great technology at UCSD and their question is, how do you feel? I said, how do I feel? That question has been asked for 5,000 years. Don't you have any better diagnostic than that? How do you feel? Anyway, listen to the patient and then perform some diagnostics that he, so he can select the best treatment. Because as a matter of fact, that's the key question that every patient has. The key question is doctor and the family also, am I receiving the best treatment for my illness? Not is it gonna cure me, I realize you can't cure everything, but just I wanna just know you're giving me the best treatment. Kind of relevant for me. Anyway, and the only positive answer can come for, did you receive the best diagnostic? That's why it's your best diagnostic. So the fact that the Lord did not treat every sickness and disease with the same treatment teaches us something important about listening to the heart of each particular lost person first before we speak. For some lost person, there's a predominantly, there is predominantly a moral problem. For another lost person, there is predominantly a self-righteousness problem. And for another lost person, there is a predominantly a problem of refusing to forgive, bitterness. For another lost problem, there is a predominantly a self-will problem. And the list goes on and on and on, just like the list of all the sicknesses and disease can go on and on and on. But the point is that for each particular soul disease, there is a correct scripture, which is like a medicine. The Bible is like a pharmacy. You select the medicines from. And we'll never be a good soul doctor unless we listen and discern what the particular soul disease is so we can select the appropriate scripture that soul medicine for the disease, for the lost person with the predominant moral problem, maybe the scripture would be Revelation 1.5, where Revelation 1.5, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood. For another person with the predominant self-righteousness problem, maybe the appropriate scripture is Isaiah 64.6, Isaiah 64.6, we are all as an unclean thing. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf. Our iniquity has taken us away. Another person who has a predominant problem of anger, maybe the appropriate scripture is Ephesians 4.31. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger be put away from you. Another person who has this predominant, I will not forgive, I will remain bitter. Maybe the appropriate scripture, the appropriate medicine to parallel out for that disease is Mark 11.26, Mark 11.26. If you do not forgive, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. For the person who is predominantly self-willed, and that's what stands in their way between God, maybe it's 2 Peter 2.9, 2 Peter 2.9, which says that he is reserving the unjust unto the day of judgment, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil dignitaries. Maybe it's, maybe it's James 4.7, James 4.7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. But the point is that We'll never know the appropriate scripture to give as a soul medicine unless we first listen, think, and discern what is the predominant problem here. And that's what we get from the word every in verse 35. Verse 35, he was healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, what he's teaching here, what he's preaching here is what it says in verse 35, 
Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. The word gospel means good news. So verse 35 is telling us that the Lord taught the good news of the kingdom place. The good news of the kingdom place. What is the good news of the kingdom place? Who understood the good news of the kingdom place? The Pharisees didn't. The Pharisees didn't understand the good news of the kingdom place. As a matter of fact, there was really only one group of people who really understood the good news of the kingdom place. The, the kingdom's a place. The kingdom's a place. And the people who understood and found this kingdom place to be good news, they were the people in this group that were crying out from their hearts for a certain place, a certain place, and that's what the kingdom was. And that was good news to them that there was this place. For example, the unclean leper, the unclean leper, he cries out, there must be a place where the unclean soul finds cleansing. Good news, leper, there is a place, the kingdom. For example, the blind men that we just saw, they were crying out, there must be a place where blind souls are made to see. Good news, blind men, there is a place, it's the kingdom. Dead Lazarus, he cries out, there must be a place where death and life meet. Good news, Lazarus, there's a place, it's the kingdom. The adulterous woman cries out, there must be a place where the doomed meet mercy instead of men with stones in their hands. Good news, woman, there's a place. It's the kingdom. The thief on the cross who told his other companion, we, 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 are, we are thieves. We, are, we receive the just reward of our deeds. The thief on the cross is addicted to sin, and he cries out, there must be a place where the addicted to sin finds recovery. Good news, thief, there is a place, it's the kingdom. The prostitute, Mary Magdalene, cries out, there must be a place where the woman who sells herself to survive can find God's love. Good news, Mary, there is a place, the kingdom. Lonely Zacchaeus, who doesn't have a friend in the world, cries out, there must be a place where the outcast can find a friend. Good news, Zacchaeus, there's a place, it's the kingdom. The blind man who was cast out of the synagogue, he cries out, there must be a place where the legalist who is having to try to keep 613 laws of Judaism will find acceptance. Good news, blind man, there is a place, it's the kingdom. The publican who beats his chest and says, have mercy on me, a sinner, there, he, say, he cries out, there must be a place where the ruined can find a sanctuary. Good news, publican, there is a place, it's the kingdom. That woman who came and anointed the head of the Lord cries out as she's crying out, as she's anointing his head and, 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 and kissing his feet. It says, there must be a place where the broken heart can mend. Good news, woman, there is a place, it's the kingdom. The prodigal son, who's there, and he, and he says, I'd rather eat the husks. 
I'm, I'm starving to death, but I've, I've left my father. I've told my father, I wish you were dead when I walk out. There, he cries out, he says, there must be a place where shame meets grace, a place where guilt meets forgiveness. Good news, prodigal son, there is a place. It's called the kingdom. That demon-possessed Gadarean man who was in the tombs, naked, no one could go near him. He would just lived in the cemetery. He cries out, there must be a place where the isolated and rejected can be accepted and welcomed. Good news, Mr. Gadarene, there is a place. It's the kingdom. Troubled Mary, who has a sister of Martha who's ordering her around and busyness, she cries out, there must be a place where the troubled and the burden can find rest and peace. Good news, Mary, there's a place, it's the kingdom. Saul, later to become Paul, cries out, there must be a place where, a place where life is not a continual kicking against thorns. Good news, Saul, soon to become Paul, there's a place, it's the kingdom. Sinners, sinners just in general, cry out, there must be a place where the arms of God will meet me regardless of my sins. Good news, sinners, there's a place, it's the kingdom. All these people found, verse 35, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. All these people found that the kingdom was good news because the need of their hearts had caused them to cry out, this, there must be a place. And for the rest, who weren't part of that group, the rest, they're happy, they're content in life, they're on easy street, they're like Lot's wife, that's, ah, uh, you know, I believe people should marry who they want to marry and be happy. I've got a good life here in Sodom. Sin's raining, but the sun is shining. That's what she says. And for her, she's not bothered by it. For the rest, they're not bothered by it. And then verse 35, the gospel of the kingdom, it's not good news to them because they're like Revelation 3.16, Revelation 3.16. They're like what the Lord describes as a lukewarm that he spews out of his mouth, and he says, because thou sayest, I am rich, increased with goods, have need of nothing, knows not that you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. So for the proud, for the self-content, for the self-sufficient, for the self-satisfied, this is not a gospel of the kingdom, this is not good news of the kingdom. Like the kingdom is not good news for them. They're like Moab. Moab. Moab's described in Jeremiah 48.11. Jeremiah 48.11. Moab hath been at ease from his youth. He has settled on his lees. He hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel, neither hath he gone into a captivity. Therefore his taste remained and his scent is not changed. So what does Moab represent? Moab represents a person who's on easy street. His life doesn't have a lot of troubles. He doesn't see any need to change. I mean, and the Lord is kind of saying, you taste like sin and you smell like sin. Moab represents people in life who just have not discovered, verse 35, any good news of the kingdom. They have seared their consciences so that they don't feel the guilt, they don't feel the shame, they don't feel the defilement, and they don't cry out, there must be a place where they don't do that. And so in contrast to Moab, for those who have discovered verse 35 as good news of the kingdom, they want to tell others. They want to tell others in verse 35 the good news of the kingdom, just like, just like the, the words of the hymn. Say, are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Burdened with sorrow, weighted down with care? 
Are you in bondage? Do you want deliverance? Come then with me. There's refuge from despair. I know a fount where sins are washed away. I know a place where night is turned to day. Burdens are lifted, blind eyes made to see. There's a wonder-working power in the blood of Calvary. So they tell others. They tell others, verse 35, there's a good news. Sins are washed away there. There's a good news. Night is turned to day there. It's good news. Blind eyes are made to see. Death meets life. The doomed find mercy. The condemned find pardon. The addict finds recovery. The prostitute finds love. The outcast finds a friend. The legalist finds acceptance. The broken heart can mend there. Shame meets grace. Guilt meets forgiveness. Isolated meets a welcome. Ruin finds a sanctuary. Troubled finds peace. And the wanderer meets a shepherd. The kingdom is that place. And that's great news. That's the good news. That's the gospel of the kingdom. And that's what he's preaching in verse 35 preaching the gospel of the kingdom, good news kingdom place. Jesus went about all the cities in verse 35, verse 35, and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So now, now, as he is on his way to every city and every village, he looks around him. He looks around him and he sees large groups of people. What does he see? He sees people going about their lives. He sees people on their way to the water wells. He sees people buying food for the day. He sees people maintaining and building what is deteriorated. He sees people caring for their flocks. He sees people farming lands. He sees people walking, going someplace on a mission. He sees people standing and talking, and he sees people taking a rest. He just sees large groups of people in verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. So when it says in verse 36, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion, those words in verse 36, when he saw the multitudes, mean that he didn't just notice the people there. Oh, there's somebody, look at that, he's on his way to the market, or they come back from the market. He didn't say that. He didn't say, look at all those people. Isn't that interesting? He didn't do that. Verse 36, when it says he saw the multitudes, it means that he had a piercing look. He looked like an eagle. He had a, he had a penetrating look. He had a look of penetration. He's like a, like a squinted eye. You can kind of look at him like a squinted eye. As he sees beyond the surface activities to the hearts of the people, in verse 36, when it says, when he saw, it means that he saw the people going about all their activities, yes, but he saw them deeper than that. He saw them in, as Isaiah 9-2, Isaiah 9-2, that he saw them as the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, and they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath the light shine. He saw the people outwardly going about their daily duties there, but he also saw them going about their daily duties as walking in a state of darkness and in the shadow of death. He saw their darkness he saw the darkness. He heard the silent words of their hearts, and they were crying out. He heard their questions as they're going through life. Is this all there is in life? Their question. Am I just doomed to be like a machine that runs for a length of time and then collapses in a grave? Is that what life's all about? Is there no way for me to have the security of knowing God is my shepherd, my personal shepherd? 
Will there never be for me the joy of Psalm 23, 6, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Am I destined to be forever lost because I can never keep all those burdensome laws of the synagogue? I can never be good enough. So first, when it says in verse 36 that he saw the multitudes, it means that he saw with this look of penetration into the darkness of their hearts. That's the first level. The second level of his look in verse 36 is when it says he saw the multitudes. It means that he saw their griefs. He saw their sorrows. It means that he didn't just protect himself, as is very typical for an oncologist or or a nephrologist who knows that their patients are going to die. He says, I'll be destroyed if I let myself get emotionally involved here. 25% of all the dialysis patients, the dialysis clinic will not be there next year. That's about the average of how many pass away. He doesn't let himself get drawn in. Is that what he did? Does he kind of protect himself, keep an arm, arm out from them and say, no, just the opposite. He let the full load of their griefs and their sorrows affect him. And as he let the griefs and sorrows affect him, he saw the multitude And as he saw them, this is not a squinted eye, now this is a frown on his brow. A frown comes over his brow as he does what is described in Isaiah 53.4. Isaiah 53.4, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, even though we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He sees the griefs, he sees the sorrows, and then he bears those griefs of the multitude. He bears, he carries those sorrows of the multitude. So the point that the multitude's where the people, they can actually see the frown on his face. And they think, he's really, must be smitten, afflicted of God. He sees the multitudes in verse 36. He's got the frown on his face. And the people look at him and they conclude, he really is the man of Isaiah 53.3. A man of Isaiah 53.3. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Was a second look on his face. Was a look of a frown as he saw the multitudes in verse 36. Now, there's a third way in which he saw the multitudes in verse 36, and that was the look of a smile on his face. The squint and the frown turned to a smile as he realizes there's two parts of Isaiah 9-2. Isaiah 9-2, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that walk in the land of the shadow of death, they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. He smiles in verse 36 as he sees the multitude because he's saying to himself, John 10.10, John 10.10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So his last look in verse 36 when he saw the multitudes is a smile because he says, I've come to be their captain. I've come to be the captain of these sorrowful grieving people, to lead the people. I am come to be the captain of Hebrews 2.10. Hebrews 2.10. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So these are the three looks that the Lord saw in uh, when he saw the multitudes in verse 36. The squinted look of seeing their darkness, the frowned look of bearing their griefs and their sorrows, and the smile look of realizing that he would save the people from their sins. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Isn't that wonderful? Let's praise. Father, thank you so much for our Savior, the Lord Jesus. We admire him this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.